Welcome to a special 58th New York Film Festival edition of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. Today, Oscar-nominated documentary filmmaker Gianfranco Rossi joins NYFF Director of Programming Dennis Lim to discuss Naturno, Rossi's latest immersive work of nonfiction. Shot over the course of three years along the borders of Iraq, Kurdistan, Syria, and Lebanon, Naturno is a nighttime ramble through a region rocked and shattered by catastrophe and violence. Get tickets for tonight's screening at the Queen's Drive-In or nationwide virtual tickets at filmlink.org. All documentaries at the 58th New York Film Festival are presented by HBO. Let's go to the conversation now. Thank you for listening to the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. Make sure you don't miss a thing by subscribing to the Film at Lincoln Center newsletter featuring weekly programming updates, new podcast episodes, special offers, and much more. Visit filmlink.org news. Welcome back uh, to the Q&A for Naturno. I'm very pleased to be joined by the film's director, Gianfranco Rossi. In my room, in Naples. Yes. <laughs> Sadly, not here, but uh, uh, thanks thanks for, for being with us. Um, you showed us your map in the introduction and, and talked about this idea of borders, but um, I thought we could start by maybe pulling back a bit. And um, if you can tell us what drew you to the region in the first place, I assume it was Lampedusa that led you to the Middle East. It was a natural uh, step, you know, after filming Lampedusa and seeing this wave uh, of people arriving to Lampedusa, um, it became like a necessity to go to the other side of the island, uh, to cross the sea and to arrive uh, into the place where uh, Still, at the time when I started the film, the conflict with ISIS was like somehow um, tuning down, and uh, there was a moment of hope for the region. Um, this wave of, uh, of migrants uh, somehow was stopping, and I thought that this was the right moment to see a, a Middle East that was uh, tried to get a, a, a new form, you know, a new form after it was uh, the, the only people, the uh, city was resisting at the time when I went there, it was Raqqa. And, um, and uh, that's where I start uh, uh, somehow engaging myself in the film, you know, to start uh, uh, traveling around these uh, uh, borders that were formal um, ISIS state. And, uh, and still, there were the wave of conflict was constantly there. There was a huge uh, still struggle and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and friction in between, uh, in between uh, those borders. But my first choice was like not to film the, the war. You know, I went uh, often to the, to the place where war was happening, and I never shot a single frame there. Because, you know, war, when happening in a place, is just a... It's, it's always the same thing, you know, there's a battle, there's a thing, there's a lot of weight, there's power, uh, so international power interacting, there is uh, things, and it's a, it's a film that repeats uh, its own, but uh, I understood that uh, the war has a much longer wave of, uh, of destruction and it uh, arrives to hit uh, people which often are far away from the zone where the, the war has happened. And that's where I started in the film, you know, going on to, into this border. Uh, these were borders that they were, um, they, they were dividing life from hell, life from destruction, 
life from the sound of war. And yet there are lives that they met there that they were, uh, they were trying to, to rebuild their daily life, you know? And, uh, and that's how the film started. I encountered people that they were somehow um, trying to put together their life. And what I always encountered was this extreme sense of acceptances, you know, mm. sense in the lack of future, in this suspended future, in this uh, tragedy of destiny, in this betrayal of, of history. Uh, I was looking for a moment where the life was a synthesis, you know, where there was a core also of uh, storytelling. And then uh, to give my, my journey to people I really literally encountered by chance. And then this chance became a necessity more and more and more. So the first eight months I was traveling without a camera, without a film camera, without a photograph, without nothing, just with a notebook. And uh, the first step was um, encountering a place which has somehow a strong, uh, a strong uh, roots with something. And which I call the absolute almost, you know? And then within this area, this space, I had to meet a person, a people that were able to, to give me some universal element. You know? Can I ask you to define what you mean that with this, 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 you talk about roots and this, the absolute, is that a feeling or is that? No, no, they were like really, as you see in the map, they were really few people, a place of conflict, you know, this area, this is where three million people died. This area is where like uh, the Yazidi women, 6,000 women, they were, uh, they were uh, take, taken away from their own home. Right. So you're a, looking for sites where- This was a place where still there was a conflict with the thing. This was Raqqa, the, cap the capital of ISIS. This is the, the extreme place of Lebanon where still ISIS influence was still there. And this is the poorest city in the Middle East. So I, I, I looked of all these places where somehow there was, in, okay. there was a, an influence from what ISIS uh, uh, created. Okay. You know, Baghdad, the, the, the hospital, the psychiatric hospital in Baghdad. But then, of course, the big challenge of this thing, how do I put together all this story? You know, how does this, this story from place to place, from different backgrounds, from different sources of, uh, of, uh, of conflict, how I'm going to put this film together? I never thought when I was filming that this was going to be a mad I said, I'm going to think about this in the editing. But for me, it was important to encounter the story. You know? So the first, uh, I, I met the hunter. And the hunter brought me into that, uh, into the marshland. And then I met uh, this kid, and I realized that this kid to survive has to become like a, a dog that brings the, 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 the birds to the hunter. And then I, I find the, the, the story of the mother in this uh, in this um, um, uh, this prison that was built by Saddam Hussein, with Saddam Hussein, where where, where the, the, the the Kurdish community was uh, was uh, destroyed. At the time, and then so all this air, all this place uh, that I filmed in a way. And so what? How I'm gonna put this together? I never thought when I was filming that. I said, okay, this is going to be in the editing. But I never lost faith that this was possible to do it. You know, to, to yeah. give the story to this narrative, the narration of the film to to the people I encounter. So mm -hmm. before we talk about the editing and, and the form of the film, I, I, I'm just curious to hear you more, say more about. And what happens when you get to these places? You know, how do these encounters come about? How do you, what is the process of, in a way, casting for you, which is obviously such an important part of your films? I mean, the, the films are not just about places, they're about people. 
Well, it's always different. You know, I can tell you the first story encounter in the film is was the story of the phone call. This dramatic voice coming from uh, coming from uh, a young uh, Yazidi woman. She was 21, 22 at the time. She was married, and I was in uh, I was here in this area um, in uh, in the Sinjar. In, I was here up in the Sinjar area. And I was filming the devastation of the thing. At a certain point, there is this guy, very young, 22, 23. He came up to me and he said, are you filming here? What are you doing? So I explained what I was doing, uh, what was the intention of my film. And he said, you know, my wife was, um, three years ago, was uh, kidnapped by ISIS people. And since then, uh, we never saw her. She's part of the, the, the women that they were taken from the village. And if you come to my house, I'm going to, show you all the phone call that I have, that this desperate uh, um, cry for her. And I went to his house and, uh, and he gave me this phone and it's like three, four hours of uh, these desperate messages. I didn't know what to do with that. I started filming just the phone with this. He didn't want to be part of the film, but I said, this is something I have to have. After film all the conversation, he asked me, why are you filming this? I said, well, because of the sound is still, I didn't understand what was going on, but I know that was something extremely desperate and, uh, and there was something that I had to, to have uh, in, the, in the film. I didn't know how I would have approached the story. And he didn't want to be part of the story. I knew also that. And then at the end, I said, you don't need to record this, uh, this phone. I give, you, I give you the phone to you. And he gave me this phone. And I kept this phone for three years, basically. This sound recorder was always in my ear constantly, the sound of desperation coming from this young girl, young woman. And every time I was filming in the area, in the, Kurdi, in the area of the Peshmerga, in the area of Sinjar, I went there like five, six times maybe throughout these three years. And uh, I keep meeting him and he, doesn't want to be part of the movie. Then the last time I went there was almost I almost finished shooting. I wanted to film some, still some part with the um, with the Peshmerga woman when they are when they are inside the the room and wanted to, to spend more time with them. And I said, asked to my assistant, let's go back to that uh, to that village where we met, uh, which gave us the phone, and. Um, and uh, I met him again and said, listen, I, I got married. I have nothing to do anymore with this story. But i tell you something. The mother that is in the phone that she calls, she's now in, uh, in Germany. She's, she's free. And she lives in Stuttgart. And I can find out the phone number. And maybe you can call her and meet her. So basically, this was the first story I encountered. And after three years, uh, having this phone, I didn't know what to do with this phone. I finally found the mother and she was living in Stuttgart. So that shot there of the mother is okay. shot in Stuttgart. After three years, I, through the, the head of the community of the Yazidi, um, where I spent a lot of time with the kids, I spent more than two, three months there filming the kids and all the community. And uh, so I had this support from the Yazidi community and he called uh, this woman and she said, okay, I accept, I want to see him. This was the 20, was the beginning of the festival in Berlin, so before COVID. <clears throat> so this, I went straight from, from uh, Beirut, which was my last uh, base, to, to Rome and then to, to Stuttgart. And I met her 10 o'clock in the morning. I had a, a, someone translating me. 
And I spent time with her from 10 o'clock in the morning till four o'clock where she told me all this devastating story. I didn't film anything. And I was with no breath, you know, to see the violence that this woman had uh, on her life. And at the end, it was snowing. This apartment was this German apartment, completely out of place where I filmed before. And then I said, at the end, I said, listen, I have this phone, which is with all the, the voice of your daughter. I wanted to film, but I can't do that now. I said, no, no, I want to do that. I said, well, you want to do it? I look at this room where it was very dark and looked a bit like with the same cover that I find in my journey with flowers, with things. So I said, well, maybe in this place. And there was no light anymore. Uh, it was completely dark. And suddenly she, I gave her this phone and she put down the phone, I put the camera there. And this is like one sequence of the, of the film that I shot. And she was looking, listening to all these messages. And the more dramatic the message was becoming, she has this breathe and suddenly there's one tears coming out when there's a whispering of the daughter. Uh, and then at that point I had to close the camera. She followed us crying and everybody were devastated. But this is just to tell you how the film is shot on a synthesis, you know. I always have to find the synthesis of something. There's no beginning of this story. There's not an end of this story. But somehow these three shots of the voice, the, 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 the devastation of the city, and the mother finally that I find after three years listening to the sound of the daughter, it was already a story there, you know, which happened long, long process. So most of the story happened like that, you know, by chance and by going back always. Um, I think the fact that I traveled for three, four, six months, eight months without having the camera and just taking notes, I understood now that was a very important process that because if I had the camera, I would have changed immediately the interaction sure. with people. And being alone there and just talking about an hypothetical film, um, and then I was leaving immediately. I said, okay, this could be a, a person I want to work with. And then I didn't want to break the intimacy. I didn't want to say too much. But then I was always gave an appointment to them. I said, I'm going to see you in six months. I'm going to see you in two months. I'm going to see you in eight months. Because I had a map of the encounter that I had. Okay, I can go from this area to this area. So I said, and when they saw me, and once I had the whole map of things that I wanted to shoot, which sometimes was a territory, sometimes was a landscape, sometimes was a tree, sometimes there were people. Once I have this territory, I say, okay, this is time for me to start filming. I wanted to, so, sorry, close the and then I say, how are the film? And, 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 and then the, the fact that I went back to them and the appointment was real, they opened completely their house. The trust was there. This guy, after eight months, is coming. We met in this road of the street. We had a tea. I told him a little bit of a story, and he's coming after eight months to meet me and to be part of uh, of, a, of a story that he wants to say. So that moment was like if we knew each other forever. You know, I always thought it's incredible opening up and, and be there. And, uh, and and of course, things change dramatically once they take out the camera. You know, because yep. as we discussed other times. I don't believe I'm uh, invisible because I have yep. a very yep. big camera. This time I shot with an Ariflex, uh, big sound things, the tripod. And once you put the camera, things change no matter what, you know? And when it, uh, you transform things no matter what. The person that is in front, you change, they change. It is incredible. And something else comes. You know, once you, I put the, the, the eyes in the viewfinder, is a transformation of things and what happened in front of the camera. I always choose one frame 
until that frame has not a story, I don't go away from that frame. So most of the time I miss things around me. It's about missing things. My, my work is about missing things. In three years, I probably missed thousands of stories, thousands of uh, uh, shots. But then when I gain that shot that is there and it's in my mind and I have to wait for the right moment with this, uh, waiting for the light, waiting for the thing, having a composition, using cinema to, to film something that is completely real, you know, using cinema but with the authority of a documentary or filming, or filming reality. Uh, and then there is a transformation. You know, that poem becomes an incredible, it becomes something else constantly. And that's what I want to do always, Matthew, using the, the tool, using the light, using the composition, using all the elements of cinema, but with the authority of a documentary, you know, mm -hmm. always knowing that what you have inside in front of you is real and knowing that no writer could write that and no actor could act that. You know, yeah. for me, this is what makes me keep doing what I'm doing, you know, because there's always an incredible sense of surprise. And what happens sometime before, it's uh, enormously unique, you know, it's like that moment is unique. And nobody, I could never write that and I could never think about that. And boom, sometime it happens, it's in front of you. And that's become a combination for me always between the tools of cinema and the reality that is in front mm -hmm. of you. Always waiting for the right moment when I film. You know? I yeah. wait, wait, I wait. It's about waiting. And when you go so close to people, you also realize that in the life of people, there is a, in all our life, there's a routine. And if you're close to them, you know exactly what's happening. You know how to anticipate center moment. You know that today is going to be a hunting, or you know there's going to be something happening. And you know already where your camera wants to be, and you just wait. For that moment because also Ali he had his own tree where he filmed he has his own uh, road where he goes he keeps doing the same thing constantly so once you spend time with the with so you know exactly after where you put the camera and where you can construct okay this today is a perfect light to put the camera down because the film started on the darkness in, in mm -hmm. my mind was like I always I wanted to not turn no I wanted to make the film at night because the night is hiding things I was so shy to film Middle East, and I didn't feel I was the, I was ready to do that. So I say this film has to be at night because night helps you to, is, to, to hide certain things, you mm -hmm. know, be more discreet. A, 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 a piece of, um, um, a, a branch of a tree could be, could, could be a snake at night, you know, and vice versa, a snake could be a branch of tree. So the night helped. Now, the more I was staying, the more I thought that the thing could open up to the light, you know, and then to the, to the little light of the morning, twilight, and then open up to the, to the big light. And the big light, somehow I needed the help of the, of the, of the clouds because I could never shoot with the bright, bright sun. I always mm -hmm. felt, felt that the, the film had to be protected. And so that's why I was mostly filming in, in the winter. So also the cloud became part of the storytelling of my film, waiting for the clouds, you know? Right. I, I don't like to put the camera. So for me, waiting for the clouds was like a good pretense of not to film in a way. You know, it was like, okay, I don't have to film today. It's like too much bright. So I can wait two, three days to film. Because uh, when I, I suffer a lot when I film, you know, I don't enjoy filming. But uh, can we talk more about that moment of filming? Is it sounds like you use very much the same process that you've uh, you cultivated in your other work. You have this sort of exploratory phase where you're traveling without a camera, you're finding locations, meeting people, and then you go back 
and then you shoot. And then when you shoot, you're still very, very deliberate. Um, you know, you're waiting for moments, creating moments instead of just taking a simply observational um, approach. But for a film like this, um, with in these situations, even though you're not shooting war, you're shooting, you know, the aftermath of war, you're on the edges of a conflict, you're in situations you that seem to have an element of danger, where there's also probably all kinds of language barriers. Were you traveling alone? Did you have an assistant? I mean, like, I mean, how, how all, easily adaptable is your all, um, This film happened because in every country, I had an incredible field producer, you know, an executive producer from in, in, uh, in, in Syria, in Iraq, uh, in Kurdistan, in Lebanon. And this for me was my, my precious element. You know, I had people really I could trust, you know, and, and knew how to move. And then in every place I had an assistant a local assistant, and we were always two people, maximum three. Only in Kurdistan we were three people, and uh, but most of the place I was, we were two with one assistant, and which was more than an assistant. It was my person I trust, the person I share, the person I we sleep in the same place, we fear in the same place. I had to trust when he said, Gianfranco, stop, this is no good, let's go. Or the, the day we come back, this is not the right moment. Because sometimes when I film, you know, I don't realize what is around me. And danger was always there. To move from one area to another area sometimes was like 20 hours, 15 hours of travel by car. And in this traveling, there were like checkpoints and still there could be a checkpoint of ISIS. You are with militia and then you bring, the militia brings you another place and these two militia are fighting. And you have to trust someone that say, okay, we leave you to the other militia and you are okay there. So it was always trusting, trusting, trusting. So every shot is in the film, so how I conquer, you know, although you don't see that in the movie. But the permits, location, be there was an extreme difficult job. Oh, to shoot in the, in the psychiatric hospital was uh, six months of, uh, of, um, of waiting for the right permit to be able to be there. Every area, every checkpoint, you have to justify why we were there. So it was extremely, extremely complicated, the film. That's why it took so long also to do the film, waiting sometimes for a permit just to make one shot, waiting for the light just to make one shot, waiting to encounter someone, waiting to have something really interesting to film. So the film was about mostly waiting and, and uh, it was like war. In a way, war is about waiting, you know? And the film was about waiting a lot. It was about... Uh, encountering, waiting for the counter, waiting for the light. It was about the suspension, you know? And I felt so close with the, in the, in the, what I'm feeling also, there's the same feeling of waiting, of suspension, you know? It looks the waiting for the enemy, waiting for, for, uh, for a moment of peace, waiting for the, when the war is far away, waiting for the birds, waiting for the right, you know, so all the people encounter. It was uh, about uh, this very, very strong sense of waiting. In this uh, sense of uh, a suspended future, you mm-hmm. know, which was very interesting when I, when we start editing during the locked, uh, lockdown with, during the COVID, for the first time I felt a very strong affinity, you know, on this waiting for us, this having this uh, border between life and danger outside the house, and uh, and having this idea of a future that is suspended, you know. Now, our future, it is suspended. And we're experiencing this for a very brief period of time. And still we have our houses, we, we eat, uh, we are able to somehow more or less to have a, 
life that is acceptable in this moment of danger. But imagine Ali was always born in that situation, you know? And so this condition that we experience in a short, short time often is a condition of the only knowledge they have of life in certain territory there. Because yeah. it's a kid that world. They're born with the world, they live with the world. <laughs> Everything is the sense of not knowing what is tomorrow. I think there is a shot in the film that is important for me, and this is at the beginning of when, when there is the soldier, and there is this scream of war from the soldier. Also, that shot, you know, I put the camera arriving in this area. I knew I got a permit to go there, and the morning they were doing this uh, exercise, the soldier. And I just arrived there, put the camera down, look inside. I didn't know how many people they were running around this field. And when I'm there, people are close to the camera, and there is a strong interaction with the camera, and they do this, oh, it's very strong, and then they, they fade away. And then I was hating that moment. I said, oh, why are they doing this? You know, but because there is a sense of protagonism there. Oh, didn't have with the but then I used this shot as a, as a metaphor of the film, because when these warriors are leaving, then you feel like, oh, there's peace now. Nothing's happening, and then boom, again, something else is happening. Again, an explosion of, uh, of war. And that's big somehow is to be the metaphor of the whole film. You know, there's a moment of danger, and then there's a moment of peace, and then there's a moment where the war is far away, you don't know what it is. Yeah. And that was a constant condition that I lived uh, when I was there during these three years. You know, this sense of danger always, uh, always being there. I-, I wanted to ask about one other aspect of the film, which I think maybe ties to how you described um, what you were trying to get from these, um, from these people in these places, this insistence on, on, on cinematic composition, you know, on, on, um, on carefully framing and light and these images waiting for the right light, all that. But also you don't provide um, a ton of uh, information uh, other than, there's some text at the beginning of the film that explains where you are, but you know we don't get um, the kind of specific context uh, that one might expect a film like this to provide. You, we don't know the backstories of the of the various characters as well. And I think this is a, this actually encourages the viewer to watch and experience a film in a different way. But I'm curious about your your thought process of why. Uh, I know that these are usually not things you put in your films, but in this case, you're dealing with a very complicated part of the world, a very complicated history that remains quite volatile and and changing all the time. So the decision to remove information uh, or withhold a lot of information is is interesting. I always feel that this, my works somehow, all the work I did, you know, from the past, they start where the breaking news stop, you know, where the, the reportage stop, where the big title stop, because I experienced so much, you know, that there is a big title. And sometimes also after this big title, I go to the area and then I say, okay, what's going on here? Not too much to fill. Oh yes, there is, but it's not here the problem. The problem is there. It's like, you know, when you edit, there's a problem here and the problem is never where you encounter the problem. The problem is like before. So somehow I always have to find another angle, you know, because when the, there's a big, uh, you know, when I went to, 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 to Syria after the first invasion from Turkish, and I, st- I went like from the back because I didn't want to pass from, from, uh, from, uh, from um, 
from, from Syria officially because I, my film wouldn't be impossible to do. So I went like from uh, like a clandestine uh, there to film this. And when I was there at the border, I couldn't see anything basically because with all the strategy was between big power, American, Russian, Syrian, every, everything was very settled. There was nothing you could film there. And then the, the story was someone else, always. So somehow the film it starts where the big news, you know, the explosion of a big tag, because unfortunately we live in an area where there's so much information, so much consuming of information, that then we forget about that. So that's where I want to start the film always, to see what happened after we forget the big title, you know, who is still there that is running their own uh, life, you know, and on this border. That's what I wanted. So the film was always about subtraction of information, you know, the big challenge for me, this film probably pushed it even more. Um, less information. We are living in a world where you can find information, you Google, boom, you have all information about anything. And most of the time, this information are contradictory because three, after three years, I know much less than before I left. Because at least I think before I knew something. Now it's impossible to understand for me the politics, the, the, the extreme complication, the stratification of politics, why the war between the Shia and the Sunni thing. The more you try to understand, it would be possible to, to, to make a film that is not ideological, um, following this information, you know? So I prefer to give my, my film to, to, the, to the daily life of people, to the human dimension. And then I'm sure that if you watch the film, the way I follow this journey, without asking too many questions, and without wanting to give too many answers, at the end, there is a moment if you sit down and watch the film without being like, okay, where, where I am, but without asking too many, you, I, I want the people to, 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 uh, to, to watch before feeling and before judging or before think. And then I'm sure if you make this journey, like for me, these three years, at the end, you get so many answer, which is worth a thousand of questions or thousand of words, you know, thousands of interview, because I believe that, you know, it's very difficult to give, uh, I never use close-up in my film, very rarely. In this film, I did a few times. And with Ali, Ali is a, is a person who never talks. I didn't have the language. He's a very shy guy. He's a very introverted guy. And I felt completely, I was taken by his, his eyes, by his interior world. When I look at him, without even filming, every time his eyes, they were taking me so far away, you know? And so carefully, sometimes I try to capture that moment with the camera. It's the only time I use the 85 lens, you know, to capture this. this. And for me, his face, his moment of introversal life is worth it. Hundreds of conversations, hundreds of uh, asking questions. And I decided at the end of the film to put uh, this 30 second of close-up of film, because I believe that in 30 seconds, we have all the answer we want to have it. Each person will have a different answer, but there is an answer there. In the face of the, in the face of the psychiatric, of the people, of the patient, the psychiatric hospital, this, this close up at the end after this performance, which is incredible, the way I met and encountered that. In, in that phase, there is thousands of answers there, you know, more than the text. Um, so for me, what I read in that moment when I was filming him there, and I felt like it's hard to put your clothes up, your lens inside of someone that is waiting. We know for what, you know, dramatic uh, choice of life and the duty of life. You get to feed the family and he goes there. 
how you say in English, the Canada reporter, to take the birds and bring it to the hunter. How do you call that? The, he goes to take the bird. Like usually his dog do that, unfortunately. How do you mm. call that? Uh, and um, so to put the camera there, but at, at the end I choose like this face for us was uh, giving um, so many answer. It is about the sense of uh, suspended future there. We don't know what's going to happen to him. We don't know anything. But that moment, I think we get all the answer mm. we're looking for just by this 30 seconds. Like the mother also, you know, when there's one, this one tear, you get the answer by the, the mother at the beginning when she's against the wall there. Or, 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 or the weight of the hunter in the, in the marshland, you know, when he's mm -hmm. waiting for birds in this world that is upside down. It looks to be marsh there. It looks to be it's a world that transforms itself, you know. So, yeah. I think I have time for only one more question, um, but I will also mention now that Gianfranco is joining us for a live um, talk uh, during the festival, uh, where we'll cover this film and his other work as well. So, uh, and since it's live, um, audiences will be able to participate. Live audience is an audience, they're fantastic. Yes, well, yeah, they'll be able to submit questions. So um, I'll save some of my yeah. questions for that, but I want to just come back and ask you a sort of follow-up question. You were saying earlier how, you know, just the process of, of shaping this film, of how you how you would put a film like this together, you know, given, um, I feel like you have used this this form before in some of your other films of having this sort of polyphonic form with like many you know different characters and different voices, but here I think just because of the the, the terrain that you're so spread out and and, and language is different the language too yeah. So, so I'm wondering. Some moment of the film is Yazidi, some moment is Arab, also different dialect of Arabs, you know, like this. It's a constant different language that it comes out. In, in the conversation with the mother at the phone, yeah, yeah. she three times, uh, she, talked, she talks to the Kurdish, she talks Yazidi, and she talks Arabic. It's a, it's a pity we cannot get this uh, nuance in the subtitle, but it's extremely strong that moment there. But um, sorry, the, the question. But yeah, was, the question was just about how you, the process of editing and like finding the. The shape of the film, you know, how much of it is because it's not really about narrative progression necessarily, so much as maybe more about like um, you know the rhythm and the mood of of of, of certain moments. Uh, and I'm wondering if the map was it, was the map useful at all? Was that something you looked at as you well, put the film in together? an absurd way when we were editing? We were never thinking about the places, yeah. but somehow all the places in the editing end up having its own core and his own unity. So when there was bringing the silence, you know, I use the metaphor of notes, right? Mm -hmm. When you edit, there's a note, which is a moment, but this moment has to belong to another moment. And, and if, if these two choices are wrong, they don't make sense, it's like two notes. And then in between there is silence, you know? So you have to cover that space in between the two notes. But these notes, has to belong to another node, and the other node has to belong to another node. So you have to transfer this emotion from one person, from one location to another, to another piece, and, and try to find this way. It's never rational, this. But at the end, we saw that when things were working, it's because they, they, the shot that they put in between was belonging there. That location was belonging to the scene. So at the end, everything it took its own form, you know, every, every shot, was somehow part also of a geographical 
position. I never put an outside shot in a lead that didn't belong to him. Somehow it was always there because maybe of the light or because maybe of the of the unity that is there. But when I edit, you know, for me again, when when I shoot, it's about missing things. When I editing also, it's about finding the right moment. That if you push the story from every story, I think I could have a, a one-hour film for every character, you know. So I have to find the moment that is a core, that is a synthesis on every single story. And, and, and you have to find that moment that is a synthesis of life, you know, that has a universality. And this moment has to somehow go somewhere else. And when you leave that story, you're not gonna miss it because there's another story that grabs you inside. But if you push it a little more story, you're not able to live in it more because you want to know more and more and more and more. So the difficult part on the editing was like when to leave a story. You know, some, some, some moments, some characters never come back in the film. Uh, the hunter, you see him after 10 minutes and they lose him for 45 minutes. You completely forget about him. And then he appears at the end of the movie. But that's where he had to be. So you have to keep listening. Every shot, every single story knows where to be. And you have to like somehow dialogue with that. And you, the film for me, I always say it's finished when you, there's stories that you almost die for it. Really, physically. You almost lose your life to shoot that. And it's not part of the film, that. But yet, you know, there are also th things that you don't see and they're not there. They're, you, per you perceive that they are in the movie. It's like when a perfect picture, one frame of a photographer, you have to, you in there's intuition, you know what it was before and what's after that click. And sometimes a good picture, you have to, if I'm filming this, what I have in the back has to be included in that frame, you know? So there's only a 360 degree and there's a before and there's an after. Like this, when the, the hunter is arriving with the motorcycle, we don't know where he's coming from. Yeah. We don't know where he's going. We leave him in this place like this, but for me it's enough that, because that's exactly the story that he needed to be, to be there. That's why I say in documentary, what is real, what is real you know, for, you know, what is my duty? It's like to find the essence of every story I say, and that's the truth, you know? I have to be truthful to the person that is in front of me. That's why I need time to know what is the core of that uh, thing, what is the, the real thing, what is true or false, what is, that's what is important always. I don't care about the fiction or documentary, what I care is about true or false. And that's what I have to find always. And the most difficult part when I film is the, to find the distance with what I'm filming. This is the most hard part for me, to, to find the right distance. Because just sometimes if I get a bit closer, it changes everything. If I'm there, it changes everything. If I'm here, it changes. So to find that constant distance in every story I tell, and that's where somehow is the truth. And that sometimes happens, it has to happen immediately because things move around you. And you have just to find the right moment. When I filmed the American army there, I had the chance of one shot there. They didn't want me to film. Was rainy, was thing, was terrible, and it, that was only one shot I could do. And and I thought, you know, that was a, it's a shot that is only one shot, but it's the only flag that exists in the film. Yeah. You know, I abolished all flag, and suddenly that shot of the American army being there. We don't know if they're arriving, if they're waiting, if they're attacking, if they're retreating. We don't know anything, but that shot for me is uh, is so much because you can anticipate what was before and what was after that, you know? And, and that's part of taking always this, this distance, which is for me is the biggest challenge when I film, you know, to find that element 
the, the, the right distance, you know, the right, uh, the right distance yeah. from the from me and the subject. And of course, be always aware that when there's a camera there, there's a separation and there's a transformation, always. And so these are the three elements that is important for me: transformation, uh, subtraction from information, and structure when I edit. You know, we took six months to edit this film. And I it took those struggle, 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 struggle. Sometimes I didn't know, you know, the kids, uh, the room of the kids, which is somehow the the room of uh, of history in that place. Is the room of pain is almost the Norimberga of, of of the story of the film. Is that this moment of confession? You know, it was so difficult to film the kids, you know, telling this uh, incredible thing. And this story was going out in and out, in and out in the film. Is, is it right to put? Uh, the story, and then I felt like, yes, if I don't do that, I will betray that. Um, that uh, because, I mean, this is the only voice of the tragedy that happened to the Yazidi people, to these kids. You know, there's no witnessing. So through, through this drawing, it's the only witness that we have. And that uh, in the editing was so, I would say that almost the whole editing of the film was to, to give life to that little room and that little moment. So the film somehow moved to that moment and after the moment there's a resolution in the film and the film changed completely pattern. So it was never really, you know, it was, we did a fantastic job with Jacopo, the editor, with Fabrizio, which was uh, the, the other editor of the film. We were three people constantly working, working, working for six months. And what is this point is like when the film is there, you finally say, boom, we find this. Why well, we didn't do that six months ago? It was so simple, you know, everything was, <laughs> everything was there. It's like the, the rubric, uh, yeah, yeah. you have to find the right combination for everything. So that's so simple, you know, but everything is there. But if you don't know the right uh, combination, it takes forever yeah. to do it. So it took six months to edit this film. And then always you have to bring yourself to the present tense. You know, you have to forget about your experience. You have to forget about how you shoot that, how painful it was, how long it took. And so I shoot 80 hours of film and the film is only hundred minutes. But do I miss the rest of the footage? No. But yet I'm sure that even what is not there, you perceive that is there, you know, somehow. Yeah. I think we do have to end it there, but um, we'll save we'll we'll save more for our, our live conversation. Um, but thank Jeff, you so much, thank you so so much, much. for joining us. Uh, thank you for it the film, you, really part of the festival. Thank you. Thank you.